You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning, recording this on a Sunday early afternoon here. NFL games just kicking off if you want an actual timestamp on this thing. But we are here to preview the early signing day, which has really taken the sting out of the, the actual signing day in February, but uh, December the 15th, that's Wednesday coming up this week, is the early signing period where it's kind of become the day where actually most of our commitments end up being finalized. There might be a couple surprises, but uh, for the most part, it'll be a lot of the guys we currently have in the class putting pen to paper. So we will talk about the guys that we currently have in the class. I think I, I speak for a lot of people in saying that once the season kicks off, you're focused on the games, you're focused on the depth charts, on the play calling and recruiting is kind of out of sight, out of mind. And then once the regular season ends, we kind of have to go back and and remind ourselves of a lot of these players. So we've, we've been doing that here the last couple of days, we will talk about them. And then obviously we will foreshadow some of the things that might be coming down the pipeline here on Wednesday with some of the targets that the staff has, whether they are currently committed to other schools, whether they are currently uncommitted um, that Mel Tucker and the staff are currently going after. So we will get to all of that here today, but before we do, Scott, it is Sunday. How are we doing? Well, I was doing good until you brought up fantasy football because in true fashion, I realized again to check my lineup about five minutes late and one of my players is out. So, um, little bit of a panic over that but other than that the basketball team is looking great we we promised we'd try to touch on them if we remembered here and there again we're just casual basketball fans um we won both their games this week they look good um can't complain one one in the barn i know sean was there it's a it's a really interesting place to watch college basketball at up at minnesota um do you have any strong feelings about the minnesota arena I don't really like it. I think it's a great hockey arena, and I think it is also their hockey arena. Um, it just doesn't have that intimate feel I like for basketball. Uh, it's very open. It's very spread out. It does feel like a little bit um, stadium-esque, which I guess is kind of cool. Like It's got that like Lucas Oil Stadium kind of vibe with a big open roof, uh, but it just feels like a cavern. It just feels a little too airy for a basketball arena to me. Yeah. So like you said, though, it seems looking good. We've got uh, a good point guard problem and that maybe we have too many good point guards, but we will let the uh, guys at Spartan hoops dig that hole a little bit deeper than we will. Uh, We've got a lot of football here to get to. So like you said, uh, I I know a lot of people out there, this is the last week of the fantasy football regular season. So I know a lot of people are tuned in here, playoff spots on the line bye weeks on the line. Uh, Scott, I won't ask you how your fantasy teams are doing because we play in the same leagues together and I'm, I'm pretty sure I know how they're doing. Um, I'm fighting for my life here in a couple leagues. So uh, for everybody out there who's in similar positions, good luck to you. Uh, by the time you're listening, there's there's probably still some people sweating out Monday night finishes and stuff like that. We're we're in there with you. We're <laughs> we're 
in the in the thick of things in the fantasy football season. But uh, let's get to this uh, recruiting stuff here because I think there's a lot of fun stuff that we haven't really been talking about. Um, like I said, during the season, we kind of get into our routine and recruiting kind of takes the the sidecar for a while while the season's going on. But we finally have the chance to get to this. Before we do, I have an important message from our friends here from DraftKings. We mentioned the NFL here, and I know a lot of you that are watching college football are also watching the NFL, and you'll be happy to find that DraftKings is an official online sports betting partner of the NFL. You'll be a winner once a single point is scored with our promo code here. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It is that simple. If the sports book isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contest. DraftKings is giving away uh, new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So we're going to do this in a couple different... We're going to go a couple different directions here. First of all, we are going to talk about the commitments that we currently have. Um, so if you pull up 24-7 rivals, uh, do people still use ESPN for recruiting? I don't know. Um, you'll see all these names in there, and, and they're nothing new. But again, you're, you're kind of refreshing yourself. I went back and watched a lot of huddle tape here today. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about some of the guys we got coming down the pipeline. And then we have a couple mailbags to address. Uh, in, in addition to um, one that we'll, we'll maybe kick it off here with, but we got some transfer portal news as well. So Scott, if you want to hit us with the portal news, I know Michigan state currently number one in the transfer portal rankings, 24 seven has, has unveiled the transfer portal rankings in addition to the recruiting rankings. But um, what do we got here on the, on the transfer front and how do we feel about it? Yeah. So first off a couple outgoing names, um, Trenton Gillison tight end. I think he was, would be going into his junior year next year. Um, on his way out. So highly touted recruit X four-star guy, just never really found his footing in East Lansing had one good game that wake forest bowl game a couple years ago. Um, but since then really just never resurfaced, uh, in a meaningful way. So he's out and James Ohanba inside offensive lineman guard road grader kind of guy who I know was coming up through the ranks and a lot of folks like just never really found space in the two deep. Um, and I don't know, you and I both thought maybe he'd have a good shot next year to find the rotation, if not a starting spot with all the outgoing senior linemen, but um, he is on his way out. So that one's a little bit more surprising. Kevin, I don't know if you have any thoughts on either of those guys before we move on to who's coming in. No, like you said, the Gillison news, it, it was just one of those guys who never really put it all together. Uh, but Ohambo was the, the more surprising one for sure, because I thought he was in line for, uh, a really good shot at a starting spot this year with all the guys we have transfer or uh, not transferring. We've got that way too far into our minds. Now uh, with all the guys we have graduating on the offensive line, I thought he had a really good shot for playing time next year. So that one was pretty surprising. Maybe it just didn't mesh with uh, the scheme that Jay Johnson and Chris Kapilovich were putting together. You know, maybe there was something there, but um Pretty surprising news there with Ohanba. The the depth of the interior offensive line is is definitely coming into question here with the amount of guys that we have going out. Yeah, it was maybe it's good news that we don't know about. You know, maybe some of these younger guys are really impressing behind the scenes, and it wasn't looking good for for Ohanba to get to get a spot because he was going to get usurped by guys we like I said haven't seen a lot. Uh, that's all yet to be seen. Hopefully that is what it is. You know, hopefully we just have a lot of good players coming up, but uh, any event, good luck to both of those guys. Obviously we always root for our ex Spartans, whether they're graduating or transferring. Uh, Hopefully they find a spot that suits them well. Um, 
on the other side of the coin, on the way in, we mentioned this guy uh, as a potential hit. And I think the day our last episode dropped, it did hit. So Aaron, I think it's Brule. It's either Brule or Brule. Um, he's from Louisiana, uh, coming over from Mississippi State, linebacker, kind of an edge rusher, kind of linebacker, on his way in. So this guy, he's had a decent amount of success as a pass rusher for Mississippi state, kind of a stand up end role. Um, and I expect that's kind of what Michigan state is aiming to use him as as well. I mean, we, we had a couple packages for guys like chase Klein who maybe weren't playing in every down role, but you know, third down stand up rusher kind of guy. I think, I think that looks like the mold that, that they're trying to fill with him, but Kevin, Aaron Brule out of Louisiana, any thoughts on him? Yeah, he's he's got uh, the the stats certainly to to really make you sit out of your seat a little bit. The last two years, he's got uh, sixteen tackles for loss, seven sacks, and what am I looking at here? One hundred and twenty-seven tackles. So when you kind of add that up, and you see, like you said, I, I think the Chase Klein um, positional comparison is is really a, a good one for, like you said, Brule Brule. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we dial that one in by the time that we're talking about him next, but no, I think, I think he could really excel at a spot like that, where you're putting him in kind of those sub packages and letting him get after the quarterback. He, he looked pretty good in space from what I saw as well. Um, and, and with the addition of him and Jacoby Winman from UNLV, two linebackers coming in, obviously this is defense. That's only starting two linebackers. That's really interesting for both of us uh we'll we'll see how it all kind of shakes out um with Quiver's crouch with cal halliday obviously in the building and and a lot of people being really excited about both players uh halliday especially who made a couple like freshman all-american teams from different publications so that's a really interesting wrinkle to it uh but like you said with the new kid coming in from mississippi state i'm not really sure if it's the same just traditional you know, three down, three down starter at linebacker that, you know, those other guys could be, but uh, that's certainly something that caught my eye here at being the two of the first three portal entries are linebackers. So I, I'm sure we're not done. Uh, as we've said, Mel Tucker has, has certainly uh, made it pretty clear that this is going to be part of his roster building every single year. It's, it's not going to be last year all over again, but I don't think the portal thing's going away for Mel Tucker. I think he's made a pretty clear blueprint of how to kind of fill some gaps in the roster and bring in more talented guys and bring in guys that have plenty of experience starting in college football already. They're not freshman question marks where, you know, you have to get them up to speed. These guys are used to the weight room. They're used to the practice schedules. They're used to um, everything that comes along with being a college athlete. So that's, that's certainly caught my eye though. Two linebackers coming in already. Yeah. So let's, this, we're going to sprinkle in a couple mailbag questions here because I think it's perfect time in the conversation. So our first question from our friend, Marshall Hart, Marshall J 93 on Twitter, who are the best three linebackers on the team, including the portal and recruiting class for next year. So we'll have a couple names in the recruiting class as well. I'm not sure they're going to be the answers to this question, but Kevin, I'll pose this to you first with Winman and Brule coming in, obviously with Crouch and Halliday and our two deep with guys like Nauteote, et cetera. Who do you see as our best three linebackers on the team or coming into the team for next season? So, I think Jacoby Winman coming in might be our best linebacker right away. I, I really liked what I saw in his tape, the way that he's able to play out in space. Um, his, he, he closes really quickly. He's a really physical player. I think him, I think Cal Halliday also, I really liked what I saw from him last year. And that third spot's really tough because Quiveris Crouch showed some flashes, but you know, also, struggled at times uh the the Aaron Brule kid I just I haven't seen enough of him to really be exactly sure how good he is but he definitely has more experience at linebacker than uh Quiveros Crouch does um and then you bring up like a guy like Nauteote who I think has a ton of potential but from what we saw from him last year at linebacker 
I definitely, he's not ready for that conversation yet. He struggled quite a bit when in his reps, um, great on special teams. He made a couple plays that we remember. He forced that fumble against Penn state. Uh, but he, he just very clearly wasn't ready to play two, three downs, uh, a drive. So I would say it's, it's between those four. Um, I'll take Brule though, the, the kid coming in from Mississippi state. So him, Basically, the two transfers plus Cal Halliday, I would say, are my top three. And I think those are the guys that might be looking at the most playing time here. So uh, lots of competition for those two spots. Yeah, I think, I mean, I pretty much echo the same thing. Halliday and uh, Winman are my top two right now. As far as recruits, we do have one. Quivion Carter's listed as a safety, but it's expected that he'll make the move to linebacker at the next level. Uh, but nonetheless, not expected to really make a contribution there next season. So I think that is same top four for me and, and the same challenge naming the, the number three back. Um, Brule and, and Crouch obviously bring very different backgrounds to the table. Crouch is very athletic and has a high upside if he can put it together, but Brule has the experience and the production um, in his, you know, in his past. So I'll probably take Brule as well uh, because I know he can do at least one or two things really well. Uh, Crouch, I think does a lot of things pretty well, uh, but has yet to really come on the scene with anything that, that he excels at um, relative to his peers. So I'll take Brule, but I think it's an exciting place to be considering most downs. We only play two linebackers, like you said, and I think between Winman and Halliday, we've got a really strong uh, one-two punch in the defensive backfield. Um, and to, to kind of parlay this into one more uh, mailbag question, then we'll get into the main topic around this 22 class. Uh, but while we're on the topic for transfer portals, our, our buddy Scott L. Brown, SL Brownie on Twitter, are all portal transfers are all portal transfer players now immediately eligible? They used to have to sit out a year. The NCAA changed it for the COVID year, but is that still the case? Kevin, I know you dug into that a little bit before we jumped on. So I'll let you take this one. Yep. So I, I, this was one where I, I was pretty sure I had an idea of it, but I just went to double check and the NCAA changed their rules when it comes to, um, immediate eligibility transfers. And actually this didn't, this wasn't related directly to COVID. Um, the COVID rule was more allowing the extra year of eligibility for anybody, um, whether it was a senior freshman transfer, whatever. Um, the, the transfer rules are, you know, from here on out. And basically it's, it's pretty clear. The first time that you transfer, you have immediately immediate eligibility. So no matter what the circumstances are, you basically get one freebie. And uh, whether that's as a freshman or a senior, it doesn't matter. You are immediately eligible the following year, the first time that you transfer. If you choose to transfer again, that's when you know you have the whole NCAA waiver system and you have to wait to see if you get the immediate eligibility or not. You might have to sit out a year. So the first time you transfer, freebie, immediate eligibility, the second time you transfer, you either have to sit out a year or apply for one of those waivers. So that's just to kind of make it clear for everybody who's kind of lost in the weeds with all the portal stuff. Um, that is a new rule from uh, this last off season, and that is effective, you know, for the rest of time until it's changed. So um, all these guys are immediately eligible unless they've already transferred. And I love the rule. I know it's kind of controversial in coaching circles. Obviously coaches like to have their players anchored down for better or for worse, but I think it's a great rule. I think it, it makes the players lives a lot easier, uh, assuming they can find a home. I know the transfer portal is still kind of finding its place and, and it, there have been players who have been left without a home. I think there's something like 600 plus players in the portal already this season. And I last I checked about 30 of them had announced a new commitment. It's very early in the process, so that'll change. But I think giving the players flexibility to find a, a gig that works for them is, is a really good idea. And with everything that goes on in college recruiting, coaches selling things that maybe they can or they can't back up once players get on campus, coaches moving around with no repercussions, I think it's it's great to give these players a second chance without kind of uprooting their life for two years, waiting to get back on the field. 
Uh, personally, I like it. I know some folks have compared it to free agency and think it's devaluing the players, you know, the lessons they're learning around accountability and loyalty and everything. But let's be real. There's no loyalty in any other aspect of this sport and the players should have the freedom to find a situation where they can thrive. So I love the rule. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you, like you said, there are certain setbacks to it, but for, for everybody who has that sentiment that you mentioned there with, well, you know, does it kind of, uh, fail to teach a lesson about accountability and all that stuff. Like that's a lesson that they might have to learn the hard way. And that's, if you do decide to enter the portal, there's an uncertain future there. And and maybe there isn't a situation out there that's better or easier or whatever the case may be. And they have to swallow that. Maybe they have to go to a school that they think is beneath them. Maybe they have to go to a, st- a school and still fight for playing time. Like, I think those lessons are still there to be learned. Um, number one and number two, it's just, you know, sometimes, I mean, especially in this COVID year where, you know, guys were committing to schools that they never even visited. Uh, but you know, you gotta, again, remember then we talk about this all the time in different contexts, but you gotta remember that these kids are 17, 18 years old when they're committing to schools and, how many different things can change from a head coaching change to even like an offensive coordinator change, a position coach change. There, there are certain situations where, you know, a receiver commits to a school because he loves the wide receiver coach and maybe that guy leaves uh, or gets fired or whatever the case may be. Like you just, you didn't get the experience that you thought you would. You, you, maybe you're committing to a school that's all the way across the country and you thought you were comfortable with it, but it turns out, you know, you're too far away from the family and, and you just, you can't get your head into football. It, so many of these things can happen. And I, I like the rule. Are there consequences? Of course, but there's no perfect system. And, and I think the one time rule, you know, don't let these guys go around and transfer two, three, four times freely, because then you're talking about, maybe a guy that's not really learning his lesson, but uh, I do think the one-time rule is a good way to do it um, about the best as we can come up with, at least for now. So like I said, this thing's here to stay and uh, it's definitely going to be a part of roster construction over the next, you know, foreseeable future. Um, so you have the portal and you have the recruiting, which is still a big deal, even though, you know, again, you're not 100% locked into a four-year commitment with these guys. Uh, but you can still feel pretty comfortable that these are some of the guys who are going to build your kind of cornerstone and, and, and build your program around. And the 2022 class, as of today, as of recording, I guess I should say, uh, about 1.30 Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, just in case this changes, we have 20 commitments to the class. We have uh, the number 18 class in the country, according to the 24-7 composite, headlined by four composite four-star guys, Alex Van Summeren, the defensive lineman from Michigan, Caton Hauser, the quarterback from California, Dylan Tatum, the athlete from West Bloomfield, Michigan, and Jaden Mangum, uh, the, the athlete from Franklin, Michigan, and did I say four? Because there's five, Antonio Gates, the wide receiver, out of Dearborn, Antonio Gates Jr., that is. Uh, beyond that, you're you're looking at a couple safeties, a couple tight ends, a couple wide receivers, uh, corner. We got a few offensive linemen. Um, Scott, I'll just kind of open the door here. We will kind of talk about, I don't know, I guess I know Spartan Bot asked us about who in the 2022 class will have the most impact next season. If you want to start there, if you want to start with just one of these guys that you really like, uh, we'll just kind of start with the guys we currently have committed. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of have a, a little conversation about this before we get to, you know, what surprises might come on signing day, but of the guys we currently have in the building or, or on the uh, commitment list here, what, what really stands out to you? Yeah. I mean, to go back to Spartan bots question, it's hard to pick a guy and say, this guy will have the biggest impact because a lot of these top rated recruits in this class that you think, okay, is he going to get on the field as a freshman are in some of our deepest position groups as it is. You've got Alex Van Summer in defensive tackle. We've looked pretty solid at defensive tackle lately. And we've got, got young guys that are still, you know, going to be sticking around guys like Simeon Barrow and uh, Derek Harmon. I know we'll see in the field quite a bit later in the season. 
Uh, Caden Hauser, obviously, Peyton Thorne's expected to be our quarterback next season. Uh, we've got a couple safeties, wide receiver. We're pretty busy at both of those positions as well. So it's tough to really uh, isolate one of these guys. I'm actually going to go down past the four stars. I think Jack Nickel has a chance as at tight end to see the field a bit uh, next season. Not so much as a receiver, because I think we're pretty set with guys like Malik Carr. Uh, Tyler Hunt should still be around. But I think he brings a blocking aspect that I haven't necessarily seen from Hunt and from Carr yet. Uh, and in his tape, he looks pretty strong in it. Jay Johnson likes to use his tight end as an H-back, as a split back. Um, you know, running that split zone, a lot of blocking. That's why Connor Hayward was on the field so much. He did those little things well in both phases of the game. I think Jack Nickel, I, I think you see him get on the field early next season, start to develop as, as a more blocking tight end. Certainly athletic and can make plays in the passing game as well. Don't get me wrong. This is not going to be just a blocking tight end. But I think his upside as a blocker is as high as probably anyone that will be on the roster next season. You know what really jumps off the page with Jack Nickel? It's I, I really like his tape, number one. But there are certain guys where you look at the offer sheet, right? And I always think that's important, uh, even more so than the star rating or whatever, because, you know, these are recruiters whose jobs are on the line and every kid that they offer, they have to know is, is you know, capable of playing at their programs. So I, I look at that more of an indication. And it, especially on top of that, there are certain positions where, you know, Lincoln Riley's heading to USC now, but Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, right? If, if you were a quarterback who got offered by Lincoln Riley at, at Oklahoma, that kind of makes my ears perk up a little bit and saying, okay, well, he knows what he's doing over there. Listen to this tight end offer list for Jack Nickel. He had offers from Notre Dame, Iowa, uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, among you know a handful of others. But if you're a tight end who's getting offered by Notre Dame, Iowa, Penn State, I, I, Wisconsin, like you're doing something right because those schools beyond everyone else in the country know what they're doing when it comes to the tight end position. So I, I really like that call with Jack Nickel. Um, like you mentioned, really good blocker and, and a kind of underrated pass catcher. I think he's, he's definitely shown flashes there. You know, I, I was kind of looking through this and, and on the same note where you're saying like the, some of the top guys, it's tough to say because of the positions. So for me, it's kind of tough to say because some of the top guys, we don't even know their positions like Dylan Tatum, Jaden Mangum, um, Tyrell Henry, Shannon Blair. These are all still just listed as athletes. They could be playing offense or defense. You know, it, it's really tough to kind of sparse that out. The one guy I wrote down, though, for the biggest impact uh, as a freshman, I, I put Jaden Mangum just because I really think his athleticism popped off the page a little bit more than um, most of these other guys. And I always think skill position guys just have a little bit more of an inside track because you're not relying on as much physicality. You know, physicality, it, it takes a couple of years to build up your body. Uh, to be able to withstand that kind of down-to-down -down punishment. So like a defensive lineman, man, it's really tough to be cracking lineups as a freshman or linebackers or something. But skill position, guys, we we see it a little bit more often than other other spots. And Jaden Mangum was the guy with just that, the length, the speed, the ability after the catch. I think Jaden Mangum projects best as a wide receiver just from what I saw. And, uh, you know, if if not... I think he could play that single high free safety spot that it feels like we haven't really locked down here. Angelo gross, you know, he played really well at times, but I, I just don't think that's his natural position. I think he's always best playing close to the line of scrimmage. I'm really curious what we do there, but Jaden Mangum could be a damn good single high safety. Uh, he looked like that kind of guy, but him at wide receiver as well. I think he's just one of those guys when, when you get the ball in his hands, he can do some pretty special stuff. Uh, on top of the fact that he's pretty darn good at getting the ball in his hands. He was really good at the catch point, got really good hands. So I, if you had to pick one now, I'd say Jaden Mangum, because I could see him making an impact on either side of the ball as a freshman. All right. I'm going to throw one out there for you here, just because it's, it's, it's fun. I think I know how you responded, but I saw this in uh, one of the Facebook groups we're in for Michigan state. 
any chance Caden Hauser creates any kind of buzz for a QB competition this I don't spring? Think so, man. But you got to remember too is Caden Hauser wasn't even the full time starter at his high school, right? They did that rotating right. quarterback thing. So, like, for as talented as he is, and I wrote down like just from watching his tape the the player comp i was trying to think of a quarterback he reminded me of i put a more athletic matt ryan like he's got that he's got the the height he's got a really good uh arm and and he just kind of makes that perfect touch throw where it's just enough to get over the linebacker's hands but has just enough zip on it to get you know to get there before the safety he's got that kind of ability the the thing is though it's just he hasn't seen all of the coverages in live action with the bullets flying as much as you would like for a guy who you would think like could start from day one as a freshman. Um, I would have, you know, I, I just don't see it. I, I think he's got a really good future ahead of him, but as a, a freshman starter over a guy like Peyton Thorne, who just had one of the better quarterback seasons that in recent memory at Michigan state, like I, I would be shocked. I agree. I just like to stir the pot. Um, yeah, I, I think Matt Ryan's a little unfair to his athleticism as a passer. I agree. As an athlete, I think he can he's scoot. Yeah. certainly has a higher upside. I mean, Matt Ryan's practically a stone statue in the pocket. So he's um, also like a probably a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. So like to say, like, you know, we got to be careful on both sides of that comparison. But yeah, yeah, that's just placed. I got to remind myself here. When I'm talking about these comps, I'm talking more about play style than like projection to their success. Let's, let's start there. All right, Kevin, I'm going to throw one into your favorite arena here. All right. So Matt Coughlin's on his way out, right? I don't know if he qualifies as legendary, but certainly (laughs) um, a historic kicker. He's, he's broken some records, uh, pretty much all the kicking records, I think for Michigan state. Um, we need a new kicker. You mentioned before we got on here that the field goal posts get narrower when you go up to college and it's just not as easy. There's more pressure. You're not kicking off the block anymore. Right. I think, um, in in high school, you don't have to a lot of the, a lot of the big, like, um, scholarship type guys they don't just in preparation but you have the option to in high school and in college that safety net kind of goes away all right so jack stone as a kicker field goal kicker as a freshman next season question mark i will say this um I saw as, as everybody did, and you don't have to be a former kicker to know that what we have on the roster is shaky at best. Uh, so I, the bar for playing time isn't that high, uh, but you know, I, I like what I saw from him. I was watching some, uh, some film of him. He's got a pretty big leg. Uh, he's, he's certainly got a, a leg that's good enough for kickoff duties, uh, as a field goal kicker, you know, he's, he's putting them in easily from the mid forties from, from 50, you know, something that Coughlin, especially early in his career, that wasn't really something he had in the bag. Um, he certainly seems to have that what it just comes down to for, for Jack stone and and his potential ability to play right away is you're a really young kid. And I've made this comparison before, but you know, not a lot of people have kicked a field goal or kicked a ball, but a lot of people listening probably have played golf and think about the golf swing and think about a club that you, you feel really comfortable with in your hands, whether it's the pitching wedge from like one thirty out. And you're just like, if I get right around there, you know, I'm money, I'm hitting the green, you know, pretty comfortably. Um, it's, it's a pretty easy swing and I feel really good about it. And then all of a sudden I put you in that range. I put you in that distance. And then I say, oh yeah, there's 70,000 people watching you right now. Good luck. You're going to be a little more tense. You're going to be a, a little bit more on edge. And you know, that's basically what you're doing with a freshman kicker is you're saying, all right, you feel really good from 40 yards. You're hitting this thing eight, nine times out of 10 in practice. 
no problem. But now I'm going to put 70,000 people in this stadium and another million or so watching on TV. And as a 18 year old kid, that's, that's a really tough spot to be in. So as a kicker, he has all the ability in the world. It's all kind of come down to the the fact of just, is he ready for it? Yes or no. And that's something I, that's just impossible for me to answer, but from like raw ability. Yeah. He's, I would say he's better than what we have on the roster right now. Yeah. Speaking of what we have on the roster right now. So we mentioned Matt Coglin's on the way out. Uh, Evan Johnson, who took over first for Matt Coglin, I think he was the first one to take over uh, when Matt Coglin got hurt this year. He's transferring out. So he entered the transfer portal uh, about 10 days ago. So he's gone. That leaves us with one kicker on the roster, Steven, Steven Rusnak, the lefty who missed, I think, two extra points this year, took yep. over kickoff duties and was struggling to reach the end zone. Um I, the competition's wide open. Steven Rusnak, the times that he was on the field, made it very clear that he is not a guaranteed starter next year. Um, and I think Jack Stone, we haven't seen much. I mean, like you said, it's high school tape. He hasn't been under pressure like he will be in college. But I think if he's got the mental aspect down, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a starting true freshman kicker. And maybe he is the answer to the question of who will be, who will make the biggest impact as a freshman, if you're the starting um, kicker, I, I mean, just, yeah. So keep an eye on that. If you're like us and you like to pay, pay attention to specialists, um, he will, he will certainly have the opportunity this off season. Also another position where you could see a transfer, I think um, yep. coming in, you know, whether it's a grad transfer or just a guy who's looking for a new spot midway through his college career. Yeah, there are uh, a handful of kickers currently in the portal. I was just perusing. So, you know, there are some guys out there if if the staff feels like that's one we need to address uh, right away. Um, elsewhere on the current lineup here, and then we'll get to, you know, some of the guys who might be joining this group. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about this before. I, I don't know if anybody else agrees or not. Offensive line tape is just it's impossible to watch with any sort of like eye for what's good and what's bad. You can watch the technique and and you can look at that, but ultimately offensive linemen, every time you watch them in high school, especially look at the guys we have signed up, Christian Phillips, six foot six, 340 pounds, Braden Miller, six foot seven, 290 pounds, Ashton Lepo, six foot eight, 280 pounds. Uh, Gavin Brocious, six foot five, 305 pounds. You're not seeing many high school kids who are anywhere near that. Um, Scott, I don't know about your high school experience. I don't, like how many kids in your entire high school do you think were either above six foot five or above 280 pounds, let alone both? Not even if they were played football or not, just how many human beings in your high school? I know you went to a pretty big school kind of met that yeah, we had size profile somewhere between 1500 and 2000 kids at my high school um god it's it's been a while i over 260 270 pounds i mean probably five or less and over six foot five again probably five or less and they were probably all on the basketball team <laughs> um it's just you don't see that kind of size it's rare. I think I saw a stat, this isn't football related, but I saw a stat that something like 10% of all living seven foot tall Americans are currently playing in the NBA. <laughs> and that's, that's ages like 14 or however young you can be seven feet all the way to like, you know, the elderly, 10% of them are currently playing in the NBA. So that's how rare size is. Obviously that's seven foot, not six foot five or so, but yeah, I mean, like you said, watching offensive line tape, you really got to trust the experts who know what they're looking for in the technique side of things. I don't personally think any of the current commits um, on the list are, are looking at contributing next year. I think some of the guys we saw in the previous class with how thin our offensive line room is about to get with guys, experienced players, I think you're going to see some guys with a chance. Um, but this class, I think they're, they need a lot of refinement. Uh, they got some baby fat involved. We talked about that with Ethan Boyd last yeah. off season where like 300 pound kid, but it's not 300 pounds of power. 
you know, so they're going to be doing some transforming. I think all these guys will probably redshirt. Um, we will obviously have a name that we'll talk about yep. coming up who and I, could be on the field right away. Yeah. And I want to mention him too. Um, obviously Keontae Goodwin, who will mention, I just want to like, I don't think this is the case, but I just want to remind people again, it's just the unpredictability of offensive line compared to every other position. Remember Devonte Dobbs, man, like he was yep. a top 50 player in the country and he can't even get on the field at Memphis right now. It's just so unpredictable because you see the high school tape of these enormous people just inhaling the guy in front of them because they're way bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic. And then they get to college where they're surrounded by people who are, are their size and their athleticism. And it just comes down to, are you willing to work and put in the time, put in the commitment um, to get better. And that's why you see more than any other position, these random undrafted free agents starting on the offensive line in the NFL, these random two-star guys who are, who end up starting for four years at, at universities, because it's just one of those positions where at a certain level, there, there are only so many guys that are that size. And most of them happen to be playing offensive line in football. So you have to find a way to separate yourself from all the other ones. And some people do it just by being even bigger than all of them. And that's what Keontae Goodwin has done. Uh, but, but some of those guys, it's like how many offensive linemen are about six, five, three fifty, or 300, you know, it's, it's like most of them. So what do you do to separate yourself? And, and that's where technique comes into play. And that's where offensive linemen in general, just don't really have much technique to speak of. Uh, it's pretty rare. So um, I trust K Chris Kapilovich to get this uh, situation figured out here. I think there are a couple guys with, you know, that size athleticism combo you look for, but uh, you know, it's, it's certainly far from being polished with all these guys. So I'd be surprised if any of them played right away, like you said, uh, but you know, some exciting potential guys. I mean, Ashton Lepo six, eight, two eighty. Um, you certainly like the size there, but it's, it's just really tough to see how that translates when you, when you just have no idea. Um, elsewhere. So guys, we haven't really talked about at all, uh, Malik Spencer, safety, uh, Tyrell Henry athlete, Jerron Glover, wide receiver, Shannon Blair, athlete, Chase Carter, edge aid, Willie from, uh, IMG. He's the corner Michael Masunis at tight end and James shot edge rusher. Uh, of those guys that we haven't really mentioned, Scott, any kind of notes, anybody that really stands out? I'll, I'll mention really quick. I was just watching Shannon Blair uh, out of Knoxville, Tennessee. He's listed as an athlete. Uh, I really liked his tape. I think he could play some good corner for us. Um, he's really the closest thing to a corner, I think, that we have on the roster. So um, I, I really like him with the ball in his hands. He was a really electric return guy, too. But um, I, I think he could be a pretty good corner for us here. Yeah, this this class is full of guys who you could really see making a big impact in one to two years. Um, not necessarily next season, but there's only a couple guys uh, in this class where I'd, I'd be surprised if they really made a big impact. I mean, I don't want to be too negative, but like James Schott, the edge rusher from uh, Indiana, you know, he committed – He's, he's kind of a project guy. He's undersized. He's 6'4", 215. Um, maybe he'll be a, you know, a, a sub package kind of guy, but might be a little bit surprised if he long-term makes a big impact. Can't Not saying it won't happen. You got guys like Jeff Petrovsky who probably were overlooked their whole career and, and really have carved out a great niche for themselves. But, you know, most of this class, it's it's full of guys that you can see have serious upside potential. And I think that's what you get when you got a guy like Mel Tucker, who he has his kind of athleticism and physicality minimums, right? He's got these thresholds where it's like, first and foremost, you have to be a well-built athlete and we'll try to fill in the rest, anything above that. And you've got some serious potential. Um, and I think that's why this class feels this way. It's just, it's full of guys that with some refinement, they clearly have the frame and the foundation to, to make an impact. I mean, guys like Michael Masunas, who, 
maybe isn't the top tight end in the class, but you watch his tape and you're like, dang, you know, this kid is barely a top thousand recruit, but he looks great on tape. Christian Phillips, not even a top thousand guy, not ranked nationally at all, but you watch his tape. He looks like a bruising guard who, you know, big guy, 340, you transfer, you put some more muscle on the frame and, and you could see him making an impact. So I think it's a great foundational class for what Mel Tucker's trying to build. I think you're, you're feeding a lot of the pipelines of position groups that are already very strong. Like we mentioned, the defensive line, the safeties, the wide receivers, you've got a great quarterback to, to build on for the future. Um, I think it's, it's really going to strengthen our our stronger positions as far as kind of a downside. I would like to see a little bit more um, near term production in the offensive line group. I mentioned, I think a lot of these guys could be good with a couple of years, but if you add a guy like Keonta Goodwin, I think you fill that hole, but right now it seems like a thin group on the offensive line. And that's a group that we're going to need to fix. Well, fix, we're going to need to strengthen over the next couple of years. We've been making do with experienced spare parts. Uh, I think this season, that sounds kind of, kind of negative. And I don't mean that as a knock, but it was a lot of guys playing out of position guys with four or five into their sixth year of experience who were experienced enough to do a pretty good job. Um, but I don't think it's really the offensive line that we want long-term and, and this group still feels a little bit thin. So I don't know. I, there's no specific guys. I mean, going through this list, they all give me kind of similar vibes of, you know, put them in the system for a couple of years. They certainly have the athleticism to, uh, to make a splash. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, we have to kind of remember is for as many of these kind of barriers that Michigan state typically has, that Mel Tucker has really seemingly already broken down, especially when it comes to recruiting that approach, you know, there's, there's a rhyme and reason to it, because like you said, you, you hit the athletic benchmarks and just kind of hope realistically and hope and pray that you can fill in the, the technical side of the game that really takes them to the next level. And if that comes you know, the athletic side is, is right there and they can hang with an Ohio state athlete. They can hang with a, an Alabama kid because they are that athletic. They just didn't have that well-rounded game coming out of school. And and that's why they fell. And uh, maybe they just didn't have access to go to the camps or, or whatever the case may be, but the athleticism was there. They just had to round out the rest of their game because you know the kids that have the athleticism and the technical skills to play right away well those are the guys that are going to ohio state to alabama to um you know texas a&m recently whatever the case is so you know it's kind of one step at a time first you get the athletic benchmarks and then hopefully in a couple years you start to chip away and get a couple of the guys you know who already fit the technical side to it too and, um, you know, we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition and, and maybe we can get one of those guys here as my uh, professional transition here goes over to the, the commitment side of, of Wednesday, the early signing day for college football. And there's one guy specifically who fits that benchmark of, of the athletic profile and the technical skills to play right away in Keontae Goodwin, the six foot eight, three foot. 40 uh, pound offensive tackle. He's currently committed to Kentucky. Uh, five-star kid uh, was at Michigan state over the weekend. We, we talked about that on the last episode. Uh, we saw pictures of him all over campus. We saw pictures of him out on grand river. He was out getting a haircut at the barbershop. He was at the basketball game. Uh, the student section was chanting. We want Goodwin at one point. He got a standing O when he came on the video board. Uh, we seemingly rolled out the red carpet for him. Um, so he's certainly one to keep an eye out. Uh, Armani Winfield, the wide receiver from Texas, is another guy that the staff has kind of put the full court press on, especially uh, over, you know, the basically since uh, since the regular season ended and the contact period opened up for uh, for, for recruiting. Mel Tucker and... Um, wide receivers coach Courtney Hawkins were basically on the first plane down to Texas to, to meet with him in person. Um, so he's, he's definitely one. He's a four-star wide receiver out of the state of Texas. Uh, recently one that has come up is the safety Malcolm Jones. He's a three-star 
commitment to Virginia Tech. We have uh, additionally here, I'm trying to sort through all these crystal balls. We've got so much stuff happening recently. Um, Zion Young, the defensive lineman, he was committed to West Virginia. He decommitted and has a lot of crystal balls heading to Michigan State. Caleb Coley, uh, one where the, the, the staff really put the full court press on. Um, he is a cornerback out of the state of Georgia. Allegedly runs like a 4-3 that was timed at a camp. Uh, physical player Caleb Coley like the entire staff was down to see him in person he's got some Michigan State crystal balls these are all guys who are not currently committed uh, but have crystal balls heading their way to Michigan State so um, whether it's one of these guys whether it's anybody else you want to mention too Scott on uh, signing day on Wednesday um, who do you really want to add to this class of those names we listed or somebody else and uh, maybe even who do you expect to be added to this list. We are not, again, I'll, I'll make this kind of uh, as clear as I can. We're not insiders per se, like, um, like some of the other analysts and, and people out there are, we don't really have the inside track. We're not talking to Keontae Goodwin or his people. Um, we're just kind of reading the tea leaves like the rest of you guys are. So, you know, for any predictions that we make, just kind of keep that in mind. Don't take it as gospel. Um, we're just kind of trying to read some tea leaves and, uh, and, and figure out which way these guys are leaning these 18 year old unpredictable kids, um, which way they're, they're going. Yeah. So there's kind of two groups I see here. There's the, the ones that I definitely think are coming and the ones that I hope are, but I'm not really sure. I'll start with who I expect to come. Uh, first and foremost, Armani Winfield. I do think he's going to be a Spartan. I think he'll announce that Wednesday when he's signing um, wide receiver rooms busy. So it's going to be an uphill battle to see the field next year, but this dude is very athletic. He's got a full skill set, top 200 player um, out of Texas, and he could see the field next year. I don't think he'll be a starter next year, but he could see the field. I'm really excited about the prospect of Caleb Coley being a Michigan state Spartan plays corner. He's a true corner. Um, and you mentioned the importance of, uh, you know, looking at the offer sheet and seeing who else is interested. So Caleb Coley, he was committed to Vanderbilt for a long time, which honestly is kind of surprising when you look at this. He has offers, his top five were Michigan State, Clemson, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Wisconsin. Outside of that, he has offers from Auburn, Georgia, Miami, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, um, most of the SEC uh, teams, obviously, with great secondaries. You look at Wisconsin's got a great defense. Georgia's got a great defense. Uh, obviously, Clemson's known for their defense, although Venables is, is headed out now. Um, and I've watched his tape, too. Very comfortable in a lot of different kind of cornerback styles. He plays press man well. He plays cover three well. He plays cover four well. Um, and like you said, if the rumors are true and he really was timed at 4-3, you can't teach that kind of speed. That is elite I mean, that is professional elite speed. Um, and we haven't seen somebody that fast. I mean, Jalen Naylor may be up there, but you don't come across guys that fast very often. Trey I think Waynes he could was contribute. the last 4-3 kid that I remember. Yeah, and, and obviously very – he's still playing in the NFL. Um, yeah, Caleb Coley, he could contribute next year with the issues we've had at cornerback uh with where that stands now you've obviously got chuck brantley played as a true freshman so the staff has shown that they'll play true freshman corners if they have to i think coley's got the skill set if he can uh get comfortable i don't know if he plans to enroll early or not i think that would be pretty important for anyone trying to get on the field as a true freshman to be here in the spring um but caleb coley really excited about him outside of coley and winfield i think zion young will be a spartan and I think um, Malcolm Jones, the safety from Georgia, will also be a Spartan. So those are my top four. I really think they're coming. I don't know if they all plan to sign on the early signing period. Um, I know Winfield does. I know uh, Coley, Goodwin. I believe, does as well. Goodwin does. So that, that brings me to the other group, the I hope, but I'm not really sure. Keonta Goodwin. Plenty of folks have said they have a good feeling, but there's really no insider information coming out. No new crystal balls since April. He's keeping it locked tight. Obviously, he's just finishing up his official visit to Michigan State today as we record. So we don't know how that visit has gone yet. Um, but 
Keonta Goodwin's on campus. He's a maybe. Damari Alston currently committed to Auburn as a running back. Took an official visit this weekend. Kind of a fresh um, new name in the rumor mill. So there's not a lot of information about how he feels about Michigan State. I think he's still kind of getting comfortable with MSU. So not really sure what to expect there. Mansour Delane, a corner who's also currently committed to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has a coaching change, so that could stir the pot. Um, he has, I think, one like low confidence crystal ball to Michigan State, but we'll see what happens there. And Andrew Paul, the running back, yep. kind of lower rated, but up and coming running back out of Texas, out of the Dallas area, who we've been high on as well. So um, yeah, I don't know any of those four Kevin if you want to touch on them if you have a better feeling that I do that maybe they'll be a Spartan I do want to talk about Goodwin a little bit at the end here yeah another name that we haven't really mentioned that has been pretty quiet for a long time too is Kamari Landers an offensive tackle from Dearborn Fordson teammate of Antonio Gates Jr. Um, it looks like it's down to Michigan State and Kentucky for his services. So that's another uh, offensive lineman to keep an eye out for, 6'5", 300. Again, played with Gates, uh, so that that's a little in for him. But, um, you know, I I got turned on to that Andrew Paul kid from an article on 24-7. It was kind of talking about the remaining targets out there. Um, I, I think that uh, Colton Pouncey wrote about this as well. And he's a pretty fun player, man. He's got really good size. He's 220 pounds at 5'11. So he's got that kind of squat, powerful frame. Uh, but he's he's got enough juice to him as well. Like he's he's not somebody who's gonna go out there and hit the Kenneth Walker 75-yard touchdowns, but uh, I really liked his game out of uh parish episcopal high school, which I'm pretty sure now that I'm reading that is the same school as uh Hamp Fay. Uh, the the Texas quarterback we got last year. So um, if that is, I'm I'm efforting on that right now. Um, that that's kind of an interesting uh, in possibility there. But um, no, I I think like you said, I will kind of echo a lot of what you said. Winfield, I got a pretty good feel uh, is is coming to Michigan State. Coley, I just think with how much resource the the staff has extended his way. Like I, I think most people have seen the picture, but you know, there's the recruits are posting the pictures. Thanks to, you know, coach Mel Tucker for showing love and coming out, you know, whatever, whatever the, the tweet is. And it was literally like the whole defensive staff, man. It was, it was, uh, it was Tucker. It was Hazleton. It was Barnett. It was uh, Travars Tillman. Who's now of, of course, not with the program anymore. Um, where I just, an interesting side note here is that Mel Tucker basically said, uh, on that front before I forget to, to mention it, he's, he's not necessarily looking to replace a cornerbacks coach. He's looking for a defensive coach, a defensive position coach. Um, but he's not married to it being a cornerbacks coach. So whether that's just kind of faith in Harlan Barnett, because he's been doing the defensive backs for so long and, and Mel Tucker has a, has a background in defensive backfield where he just says, like, you know, we, we, we're good there. We don't need another defensive backs coach. You know, we're comfortable with the guys we have here. Um, so look for the staff to hire another defensive assistant, not necessarily a cornerbacks coach, although it might be. Uh, but yeah, Coley, I feel good about Winfield. I feel good about, and you know, we'll, we'll just kind of turn it to Goodwin here to finish it off. I do feel good about Goodwin. There's something about it being that last impression, right? So he's, he's coming home from East Lansing. I'm sure probably today, actually on, on Sunday going home. And then he's got two full days, Monday and Tuesday before signing day on Wednesday. And he has said publicly, he's going to sign on the early signing day because he wants to enroll early and he wants to play right away. And that's the reason he wants to enroll early. Um, and I just, I get that feeling where his visits to Michigan state that I've noted were this last weekend and the Michigan game. So, you know, it ju I just get the feeling he's going to go home and he's going to think about like, man, those, that was a really good time in East Lansing. And the last time I was there, it was amazing. I, I loved the vibe, you know, I, the coaching stuff, like, I just, I get a really good feeling about, um, uh, Keonta Goodwin, a guy who, like we said, could probably start from day one at tackle. If, 
he is what everybody says he is and what he looks to be, which is a grown ass man with like a full beard uh, at, at 18 years old. So I, I got a good feeling about Goodwin for, for S's and G's. I did the uh, 24 seven class calculator and, and just kind of typed in everybody here of those guys that we mentioned, if we just add in Zion young to the class, if we add in uh, Malcolm Jones to the class, if we add in Caleb Coley to the class, if we add Armani Winfield to the class, if we add Keontae Goodwin to the class, we are left with a projected team score of 234 which for the national rank would be good for ninth in the country. Now we know that, you know, some of these other schools are going to pick up some commitments as well. So ninth might turn into 10th, 11th or something, but um, it just kind of shows the ceiling of we've never had a top 10 class at Michigan state. And if we were somehow able to do that this early, it'd be pretty exciting. But in order to do that, we would have to basically land all of these guys, which realistically probably isn't the case, but uh, I do feel individually pretty good about all of them. So take that for what you will, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, it's hard to say. I mean, how much is green colored glasses, right? And how much is right. uh, is reality? I you've, think you've said in text messages a hundred times, like, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about it, but so does the Kentucky fan who's reading his fan board. And so does the Alabama yeah. fan who's reading his fan board. Like it's, it's just how fans are, right? If you let the prospect of thinking about like a Keonta Goodwin playing at your school infiltrate your brain, it's hard to imagine it not being reality because of how exciting the thought is. Um, it's really exciting, but you know what? We're going up against Alabama and I don't know who else is up there, but just take Alabama, you know, play as a true freshman at Michigan state or go to the professional football player factory the, the greatest professional football factory of the last last 10 years. So it's tough to, to predict. I think we'd certainly have some playing cards playing in our favor, like him being able to get on the field right away. Um, but this time next week, we're going to know. And uh, for better or for worse, we'll be able to, to move on and look to, to the future with or without him and all of these guys. I love signing day. I know there's some chatter about whether it should be in the middle of December or not. I don't really have an opinion on that right now, but um, it's exciting. You get to finally look to the future and say, this guy's definitely going to be wearing the green and white. And uh, at least and for one obviously year. this off season. <laughs> yeah. So we'll start breaking down this off season, like position groups and everything. As we're going through this, we've got a lot of thoughts kind of bubbling up around, you know, how this group will look, how the wide receivers will look, how the offensive line, et cetera. Um, we'll probably do an early off season breakdown and we'll do like our typical fall camp. I think, you know, going into the year next year, once they have spring ball under their belt, once we have a full off season of rumors to, uh, to sink our teeth into, but it's an exciting time and I'm hoping for the best on Wednesday. Um, yeah. And uh, it's right around the corner. Yeah. And you know, the other nice thing about Wednesday that you, since you kind of brought it up is with a lot of these athletes, we, we tend to get a little bit more information from the coaches who always give their little couple sentence blurb about each of the guy who's commit guys who are committed. And for a guy like Dylan Tatum, you know, we might get a, a little quote from Mel Tucker, like has the ability to play on both sides of the ball. We're going to start him off as a running back and then, you know, see where he can, what he can put on his plate or something. You get a lot of those comments where, you know, the, the coaches will kind of hint where he's going to start off and see if that works or not. And you kind of get a glimpse into their line of thinking of where they think these guys have the most potential. So with in a class where we have like six guys who are still listed as athletes, um, there, there might be some pretty telling quotes here uh, on signing day from Mel Tucker as well. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for, but yeah, like you said, exciting day for us, exciting, even more exciting day, of course, for the, the players and the families of these players, it's, it's a really big deal. So we, we have to use this disclaimer, unfortunately, every time, please, 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 please don't be that guy. And you know who that guy is. Don't be that guy tweeting at these players who don't choose your school. If you're going to do anything, just reply to their tweet and say, Hey, good luck. Um, you know, even that I I've always thought is a little bit weird. I, I just, I'm not the type of guy who likes 
replying, responding to 18 year old kids on Twitter. But if you are going to do that, wish them the best of luck, whether they're wearing the green or not. Uh, it's, it's just, don't be that guy. You know who that guy is. I, I feel like we don't need to preach it too much, but don't be that guy. Yeah. Don't do it. So um, with, well, that's with all, all of, the, yeah, with all of that out of the way here, we'll, we'll get back to our NFL action. This has at least, uh, you know, subsided a bit of my Sunday anxiety here as I'm fighting for playoff spots in, in two leagues. Uh, and, it's uh it's it's been a heck of a day here. I think uh, I think we did a pretty good job of wrapping that thing up. So uh, any other thoughts here as we wind down the episode about the recruiting class? Because the next time we talk, well, we will know. Oh, by the way, uh, since since we're we're on the topic here, uh, Wednesday's episode traditionally Wednesday's episode. We're going to post that either Thursday or Friday because it makes no sense to post another episode before uh signing day because it would basically be the same conversations that well we don't really know if these guys are are coming in yet so um we will record after all of wednesday's action which means that it will be posted you know maybe late on wednesday or uh thursday or friday so just as a heads up our normal weekly schedule is thrown off a little bit due to the wednesday uh signing day so uh before i wanted to to make sure we hit that so uh with that said Hope everybody has a great rest of your Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and if if any recruits are listening, come to Michigan State. It's a great place to be. I don't think that's like an illegal NCAA statement. I hope not. Uh, we're not getting anybody in trouble here or ourselves in trouble, but uh, I don't think any recruits are listening, so we're fine. Hope everybody has a great start to your week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks. Oh, 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 oh,